Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service, our Easter Sunday service. He is risen. <clears throat> Let's stand and sing hallelujah for the cross together. next one we chose because it tells the whole Easter story and I think it will make a great bridge into Pastor Glenn's sermon and our communion service to follow. Of the darkest. 
Written in the 
Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's just awesome to see everybody here this morning. Love it again. <laughs> we uh, we need to be reminded, and we are reminded this morning, how great the church family and fellowship is, and I'm so thankful for that. Let's read together, or I'm going to pray first. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you today in such a real way that you're here with us and reminding us once again of your love by what you did, and that's what we're celebrating today. Thank you for that in a very real way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's uh, read the call to worship together. Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. Mark 16, 6. At this time, we're having scripture reading. from 1st Corinthians chapter 15 and we'll be reading verses 1 through 20 so 1st Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 20 and I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible this morning now I make known to you brethren the gospel which I preached to you which also you received in which also you stand by which you are also saved. If you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, 
and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but have some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to the, all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But the grace of God, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached, and so you believed. Now if Christ is preached, that he has been raised from the dead, how do some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God, because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. Amen. What a great truth. I've been looking forward to this service for a long time. It's my favorite, one of my favorite services of the year, probably the favorite, that along with Thanksgiving. And uh, so good to see all of you here this morning to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> no greater celebration can there be. As we look into this passage, let's just ask God to guide our thoughts. It's your word, Lord God. It's, it's, it's powerful. And the truth of your resurrection is indeed a, a, a game changer in the highest and in every sense of the word. As the Apostle Paul just wrote here in this passage I was just read. Thank you for your word. And as we look into your word this morning, Lord God, how I pray that you would... Uh, Open our minds and our hearts to <clears throat> the awesomeness of the resurrection and what it means to each one of us. We ask this in your name. Amen. <clears throat> so I hope all of you kids have got the trivia quiz or at the back. If you didn't, go pick one up. Jake, time to get his quiz. 
the greater the victory, the greater the celebration. There is no greater victory than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is why Easter is such an awesome celebration. Because the greater the victory, the greater the celebration. I'd like to again this Easter tell you a story. I've told it before. You've heard it before. If you've been coming to church here for a few years at least. And if you've listened over the years, you've heard it before. But it's a great story. And stories have a way of embedding a truth in our minds much more deeply than just teaching facts. So this story bears retelling again and again and again. It's a story from the Bible, story from that first Easter when Jesus rose from the dead. But I want to tell it in a way that focuses on some things that we perhaps don't focus on that much. And in so doing, I hope to impress on all of us the immensity of the victory that was won when Jesus rose from the dead. It's the story of Jesus' disciple Peter. It's the story of a huge sin and what Jesus' resurrection meant for Peter and his huge sin. So I invite you to just sit back for a little bit and just enjoy the story. Peter was known by a few different names uh, in the scriptures. We, we run across them in the New Testament. His given name was Simon. That's what his parents named him, Simon. Jesus, however, changed his name to Cephas. And that's told to us in John chapter 1, verse 42. Uh, Cephas is an Aramaic word means rock. Jews of that time, they all spoke Aramaic. That was their common spoken language. So Jesus changed his name to Cephas. Peter is the Greek translation of that, of that Aramaic word. So Peter also means rock. Cephas is Aramaic. Peter is Greek. They both mean rock. So you'll see Peter being called by these three names in the New Testament. Sometimes Simon Sometimes Simon Peter, uh, most often just Peter, and once in a while you'll see him being called Cephas, all referring to the same person. We're going to call him Peter, but keep these three names in your mind as they will all become important at the end of the story. So let's get into the story. Peter, for all his brashness and impulsiveness, he had a heart that was in the right place for the most part. He was the first among the disciples to realize who Jesus was. That he was there. He was the Jews, promised Messiah. And more than that, he was God come in the flesh. He was the first disciple to recognize that. There was still much that Peter did not understand, but he was convinced as to who Jesus was and is. And he was willing to stick with Jesus and back him to the hilt. Peter was in a blessed position. He, he was one of Jesus' disciples. He was one of the closer disciples, that inner circle of three. He and Jesus were actually close friends. So that's a blessed position to be in for Peter. And Peter, like most of the other people who believed Jesus was the Messiah, they were thinking that Jesus was going to 
by his miracle working power, set himself up in his rightful place as king over the Jews and really over the whole world and free them from Roman rule and bring in all the blessings that the Old Testament prophecies had foretold that would come with the Messiah. That was the way their Bible said it was going to happen as they saw it. And that's what they were looking forward to. So when Jesus announced after the Passover meal that they had eaten that evening together, where he had broken the bread and passed it around, and likewise passed the cup around, and talked about a new covenant that he was going to put into place. When he announced that the disciples were going to desert him, Peter was quite taken aback by that statement of Jesus. What? Peter said, no, no. Even if everyone else leaves Jesus, I'm going to stay with you. I'll stick with you. And then Jesus replied, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will have denied three times that you even know me. And again, Peter stood fast. He said, no, even if I have to go to prison, even if I have to die I'll never do that. I'll never forsake you. And I'm sure Peter was thinking, yeah, yeah, there's going to be a fight. There's going to be a battle. But I'll stand right with you, Jesus, and we're going to win. And then shortly after Jesus and Peter had this conversation, the authorities and the police arrived there in the garden where Jesus and the disciples were with Judas leading them. <laughs> Judas, that traitor. Coming to arrest Jesus. Well, Peter drew his sword and he went in swinging. And in the process, he cut off the ear of one of them. But Jesus stopped him. He said, Peter, we're, we're not fighting this kind of battle. And then Jesus went ahead and he healed this guy's ear. And Peter was, what's going on? Why did Jesus stop him? What was Jesus up to? Was he going to let them arrest him? Because that's what happened. They arrested Jesus, they tied him up. And it was at that point that all the disciples took off, leaving Jesus alone with his enemies. Peter didn't leave entirely, however. He followed the mob, this mob that now had Jesus tied up and were taking him to wherever. He, he followed at a safe distance where no one would really take notice of him. And by now, Peter was totally scared, I'm sure also quite confused. Were all his hopes and all his dreams to come to nothing? Jesus was the Messiah, wasn't he? Or was he? Well, no matter what. Jesus was his close friend. He wanted to see what had happened, so he followed, but, but not too close. Or he might get arrested, too. So he followed at a distance. Scared stiff, but still wanting to see. They arrived at the temple court, and they ushered Jesus inside to face his accusers, before the high priest. 
Peter kind of discreetly mingled in with the others that were standing around in the courtyard. Someone had made a fire to warm themselves with, and Peter kind of lost himself in that group of people that were by the fire trying to warm himself as well. It's cool. It's getting on toward the middle of the night. The mock trial of Jesus went on, and these people in the courtyard were awaiting the outcome. And Jesus has shuffled back and forth between different priests during the night. All the while, these priests are trying to find evidence, the evidence they were looking for to put Jesus to death. And while that was going on, Peter is in the courtyard with a group of people. And suddenly, one of them, a servant girl, looked at Peter and said, you were with Jesus. But Peter, scared of being recognized and arrested too, he denied. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't know. And he edged his way away from this girl to mingle with another group of people kind of closer to the door. But it didn't take long before another servant girl said to those around her, this man, he was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, Peter denied say, no, no, I, I don't know him. I don't know the man. And again, Peter tried to edge his way around, trying to lose himself, trying to be inconspicuous. But later on, another of the bystanders came up and said to Peter, you too are one of them. Your Galilean accent gives you away. And now, really getting scared and desperate, Peter began to curse and to swear, saying, I don't know the man. And just as he finished speaking, a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered. Jesus had said he would do this. And he had confidently said that he would never do that kind of thing. He would stay with Jesus no matter what, even if it meant prison or death. And now he had done it. His best friend, in more trouble than he had ever been. And he had cut and run, and then denied not once, but three times that he even knew him. So struck to the bottom of his gizzard, Peter stumbled out of the courtyard and wept most bitter tears of guilt and grief that you can imagine. What followed in the next couple of days for Peter, we can only imagine. The Jewish leaders did succeed in getting the death penalty for Jesus, death by crucifixion. And there was a mention of a crowd of people following along the procession when it was all said and done and the trials had been done and they got Pilate to agreed to it, and they had beaten him and all that, and then Jesus carried his cross out to the hill of Golgotha. There was a mob of people, a crowd of people, following along that procession from Jerusalem up to that hill of Golgotha, just outside the city, where the crucifixion was to take place. And then they stayed there to watch the proceedings. There's no record of Peter being among the crowd of people that watched this crucifixion. Uh, maybe he was there, uh, but there's no record that he was. The women who believed in Jesus, they were there. They were watching the whole thing. But the only record we have of any of the 12 disciples being there is, 
is of John. So where Peter is during this time when Jesus died on the cross, and then the rest of Friday and all Saturday, we can only imagine. But let's. Let's. Let's use our imaginations for a bit. If you had been in Peter's shoes, what would you have done? If it were me, I would have wanted to find the deepest hole imaginable and bury myself in it and never come out. That's what I would have wanted to do. My best friend, and I cut and run when he needed me the most, and I, and I denied I ever even knew him because I was too scared of getting the same thing he was getting. And now he's dead. And I am partly to blame. That's the line my thoughts would have taken if I was in Peter's shoes. How can you deal with the weight of a sin that huge? Everything in Peter probably longed for a chance to apologize to Jesus and to beg his forgiveness, but now Jesus is dead and he would never get that chance to make it right. He would have to go to his grave without ever getting to say sorry. without ever being forgiven and likely burn in hell for all eternity because that's what he deserved. I imagine Peter's thoughts were kind of along those lines. We do know that somewhere along the line, Peter did get together with the other disciples of Jesus. Uh, the other ten of Jesus' chosen disciples as well as some other followers, including the women. It seems they kind of hid out together locked themselves away someplace so the Jewish authorities couldn't come, come after them. They were followers of Jesus, and if they did that to Jesus, they may do the same thing to them, his followers. So they were sequestered, kind of locked away for fear of that. What they will have talked about all Friday night and all day Saturday, we can only guess. All we know is that they were a very dejected and disillusioned and reeling and very scared bunch. Likely the other ten chosen disciples were each struggling with their own guilt. They had all cut and run. But Peter had added guilt, the added guilt of taking, of, of, of talking so big and then failing so miserably and actually denying even with cursing and swearing that he even knew Jesus. You know, if we end the story here, it's a pretty hopeless scene. If Jesus died and that is the end, for people like Peter, for people like me, for people like you, there is no chance at all of being forgiven. There is no hope at all of any taste of heaven if this, after this life is over, if this is where the story ends. That is why the resurrection is such a big deal. Let's look at that passage that Brad read, 1 Corinthians 15. Let's look at that passage. We need to understand what the resurrection means to us. And we can by looking at the implications of Jesus' resurrection that come out in this passage. Paul here is, is 
writing to the church at Corinth. There's obviously some false teaching going around that there's no resurrection. He's writing in chapter 15 to straighten that out. And he's impressing on these people the fact of the resurrection and the importance of the resurrection. So what are the implications of that? Number one, because Jesus rose from the dead, forgiveness is available freely. Because Jesus rose from the dead, forgiveness is available freely. What does it say in verse 17 of chapter 15? If Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, and you're still in your sins. You're still in your sins. If Jesus never rose from the dead, we're still in our sins. There is no forgiveness without the resurrection. It took both the crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus to deal with the sins of the world. Both. Jesus' crucifixion paid the price. His resurrection won the victory. And what a victory it was and is. How awesome do you have to be to rise from the dead? That doesn't just happen. Death is death. That's final. You don't come back after you die. But Jesus did it. What a victory. And the point is that both are necessary to deal with the sin of the human race. Both Jesus' death and then his victorious resurrection. So the implication is that because Jesus rose from the dead, forgiveness is available freely. Price has been paid. The victory has been won all by Jesus' death and subsequent resurrection. And the risen Jesus, God the Son, is now in a position where he can offer forgiveness to each of us freely. And he's making that offer to each one. No matter how great the sin, how huge the offense, Jesus is offering you forgiveness. He can do that. Because he died to pay the price for your sin. The price it demanded. And then he rose from the dead. And then secondly, second implication. Because Jesus rose from the dead, heaven stands wide open before us. Because Jesus rose from the dead, heaven stands wide open before us. Let's go on, verse 18 and 19. Then those who have a fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then death is still the master. When you die, that's all. It's over. Those who have already died have perished, and we who are still alive have absolutely no hope. When we die, and we will, we will perish as well. There's nothing beyond. That would have been the case if Jesus never rose from the dead. But go on, verse 20. But now Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who fall asleep have fallen asleep. Or are asleep. But Jesus has risen from the dead. And that makes all the difference. You see this implication. Jesus did rise from the dead. And his resurrection is the first fruits of those Christians who have already died. Meaning... That they will rise too. Those Christians who have already died, they will rise too. Christ did it. 
And he's the first fruit, so they will rise too. And that means that there's hope for us for eternity. Those Christians who have already died have not perished. They are with Christ for all eternity. We as Christians have all the hope in this world and the next because we too will be resurrected and be with Christ for all eternity. It all hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus rose from the dead and the implication is that from that is that heaven stands wide open before us. If we accept Jesus' offer of forgiveness and place our faith in him, it's all ours. That's all ours. Heaven stands wide open before us, all made possible by Jesus' resurrection. Let's go back to our story of Peter to see what this looks like in a real life. So Peter is likely sequestered with the other disciples for most of Saturday. That was the Jewish Sabbath. Hunkered down, laying low, stricken with grief, and more than that, stricken with the guilt of his huge sin. Sunday morning came. And early in the morning, the women left, going to the tomb to do a decent job of burying Jesus, because it had been kind of a rush job Friday night. Going to do a decent job of burying Jesus according to the Jewish burial customs. Wrapping the body with different spices and so on and just doing it right. Why none of the men went with the women? I have no idea. <laughs> none of my commentaries comment at all on that. There, there could have been a good reason. Maybe the women didn't have to fear arrest from the Jewish authorities like the men did. I, I don't know. That's just a thought <laughs> there might have been a good reason but the women it was the women that went very early Sunday morning they left left that upper room to go to the tomb to do a decent job of the burial but in a short time they come running back all in a dither excited concerned fearful panting that Jesus body wasn't there the tomb was open Jesus' body isn't there. Not only that, but there were, there were angels there. And the angel told them that Jesus had risen from the dead. And the angels had instructed the women to go and tell his disciples to go ahead to Galilee. Jesus would meet them there. And then one of the women looked right at Peter. And said, the angel specifically mentioned you, Peter. He said, tell his disciples and Peter to go to Galilee. That's Mark 16, verse 7, by the way, if you want to check that out. Go tell his disciples and Peter. Well, they didn't know what to make of it. Something strange is going on here. Likely these ladies in their grief and Sorrow and whatever are just having strange visions. But Peter grabbed John and said, let's go see. And so they ran out to the tomb. Peter outrunning John. He got to the tomb and he looked inside and he saw that it was empty. Then John got there. And John, he went right inside. Right inside the tomb. So Peter followed John into the tomb. And they saw where Jesus had been lying. The grave clothes are still there. The head cloth folded neatly by itself. 
And then the rest of the grave clothes, those yards and yards of strips of cloth that they had wrapped around Jesus' body, they're still there. But gee, the body of Jesus had disappeared from inside. But he wasn't there, just the grave clothes. John, at that point, it says, John believed. He believed. Jesus actually did rise from the dead. Peter, though, he was still unconvinced. He went back still shaking his head. Could it be? Could it really be? Did Jesus actually rise from the dead? He wanted to believe, but just too much. And then even if Jesus did rise from the dead, what then? After what he had done to Jesus, it would never really, could it ever really be the same again? Peter was still too confused and guilt-ridden to think it all through. But then the risen Jesus appeared to Peter. <laughs> Jesus appeared many times to many different people over the next six weeks. The Bible records it for us. Some are described in detail. Some are just told it happened. There is one appearance of Jesus, of the risen Jesus, that is just hinted at. And we're told nothing more. But it had to be profound. Turn back to Luke 24. I'd like you to see this. Again, it's just a hint, but it's interesting. Luke chapter 24. This is in Luke's account, of course, of the resurrection. Looking at verse 34. Um, this is just following the story. Luke tells the story of, of these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And uh, then Jesus appears and talks to them and gives them a little Bible study on how the Messiah had to suffer and die and rise from the dead. And, the, and those two disciples didn't recognize him until they got to Emmaus and he broke the bread and the fish. And then they realized that was actually Jesus, the risen Jesus. And so they, in their excitement, turned around and hoofed it back to Jerusalem to tell the rest of the disciples. And they get to Jerusalem to the rest of the disciples and when they get there, verse 33, they found gathered together the 11 and those who were with them. And before they could tell their story, these other 11 disciples say, the Lord is really risen and he has appeared to Simon. Appeared to Simon. That was Peter's given name, right? Simon. So Peter, he had appeared to Peter. Now turn to back to 1 Corinthians 15. And look back to verse 5. Paul is reminding these Christians at Corinth about the importance of their resurrection. Reminding them that this was the cornerstone of his message when he first preached the gospel to them. That's the cornerstone of the gospel. That Jesus rose from the dead. And he's showing this to the Corinthian believers. Verse 5. And that he appeared to Cephas. And then to the twelve, huh, Cephas, there's their name again, Peter. So Jesus did appear to Peter, apart from the times that Jesus appeared to all the other disciples altogether, there was a time that was just hinted at in the scriptures here where Jesus appeared just to Peter. And that's all we know. We're told nothing of what happened at that meeting. 
have to use our imaginations again. <laughs> what do you think would have happened at that meeting when the risen Jesus appeared to Peter, just the two of them? What do you think would have happened? Can you imagine the surprise, the joy, the shame, the guilt, the humility, and all these emotions coursing through Peter all at the same time? Can you imagine the sorrow and the repentance? And then can you imagine the forgiveness that Jesus offered? And the realization in Peter as to what it all meant. As he put it together in his head. Can you imagine that meeting? Songwriter Don Francisco put this into words a lot better than I can. He captured it all in a song that he wrote and recorded. Oh, it's quite a while ago now. But as we conclude the sermon, I'd like you just to watch and to listen and to capture what the resurrection means. and doors were barred and all the windows fastened down I spent the night in sleeplessness rose at every sound half in hopeless sorrow half in fear the day would find the soldiers breaking through to drag us all away just before the sunrise I heard something at the wall the gate began to rattle voice began to call I hurried to the window and looked down into the street expecting swords and torches and the sound of soldiers feet but there was no one there but Mary so I went down to let her in John stood there beside me as she told us where she'd been she said they've moved him in the night None of us knows where the stone's been rolled away. Now his body isn't there. We both ran toward the garden. Then John ran on ahead. We found the stone in the empty tomb, just the way that Mary said. With the winding sheet they'd wrapped him in was just an empty shell. How or where they'd taken him was more than I could tell. Something strange had happened there, but just what, I did not know. John believed a miracle, but I just turned to go. Circumstance and speculation couldn't lift me very high, because I'd seen them crucify him, and then I saw him die. Inside the house again, the guilt and anguish came. Everything I'd promised him just added to my shame. It was when at last it came, the choices I denied, I knew his name. Even if he was alive, 
it wouldn't be the same. Suddenly the air was filled with strange and sweet perfume. Light that came from everywhere drove shadows from the room. Jesus stood before me with his arms held open wide. I fell down on my knees and just clung to him and cried. He raised me to my feet and as I looked into his eyes, Love was shining out from him like sunlight from the skies. Guilt and my confusion disappeared in sweet release. And every fear I'd ever had just melted into peace. of us personally, for you personally, you, me, are, for all intents and purposes, Peter. I am no different than Peter. You are no different than Peter. I have huge sins against Jesus, and so do you. And his resurrection means exactly for me and for you what it did for Peter. The greater the victory, the greater the celebration. He's alive and I'm forgiven. Heaven's gates are open wide. The greater the victory, the greater the celebration. And we need to make this the biggest celebration ever because he's alive. So with that in our minds, let's come to the communion service. I'll just give you a word of explanation. We can't do it like we usually do, uh, but we'll do it like we did last time. Uh, the communion elements are here at the front of the church, and uh, the music team in a bit here are going to start leading us in some singing. And while we're singing, uh, I'd like uh, one representative from each family to come and get enough of the of the communion cups for however many in your family will be partaking of the communion.
Uh, don't all come at the same time. Just kind of take your turns, and uh, while we're singing, just come and get get the enough for your family. And then when we're all done, then I'll I'll lead on in the rest of the of the communion service. Uh, if we run out here, as I put another tray downstairs, I'm not sure. I don't think there's anybody downstairs, but uh, there are more down there if, if we run out up here. So if that's the case, then you can go downstairs and get those as well. So that's what we're going to do. So music team, come and lead us. And then as we're singing, uh, just come and turn and uh, get your communion elements for your family.
Thank you. You may be seated. Just a word of explanation as to how these COVID-friendly communion cups work. <laughs> there are two layers there. You uh, uh, peel the top one over, and that opens up the little wafer. That's the bread. And then there's another layer. Later on, you peel off, and that opens up the cup for the for the juice. So, quite a commotion. Amen. <laughs> Jesus said the rocks will cry out, but I hear and laughter and the cars cry out. So, just wait a second for the guys to get back. So when Jesus was with the disciples there just before his arrest and crucifixion, he had to celebrate the Passover meal with them, and which had come known as the Last Supper, where he instituted a new thing, the new covenant. And he passed the bread around and the cup around. This is the new covenant. This is my body. This is my blood. Uh, the Apostle Paul tells us that we need to remember doing this. And Jesus said, told the disciples, do this as often as as you do this in remembrance of me. And so that's what we're doing. The cross and the resurrection, the, the crucifixion and the resurrection, they go together. You can't separate them. They're both important. They're both vital. But we remember the crucifixion, the death that won the victory. The body that was given and the blood that was spilled to pay the price. And then the resurrection that happened to gain the victory. What we have before this our communion cup. And so I'm going to ask uh, our elder Jeremy Peters if you would just come to the front here and just return thanks for the bread, which represents the body of Christ. Amen. Thank you, Jeremy. We'll peel back that first layer and take your bread out and let's partake together. The body of Christ given for you. Another elder, uh, Chris Lowen, to return thanks for the cup which represents the blood of Christ. 
Amen. And the blood of Christ shed for you. Music team is one more song I'd like to lead us in this. in prayer time. We have a lot to praise God for on Easter morning. 
the resurrection, and that's a lot. <laughs> so we want to praise God this morning for the resurrection. Anything else that you'd like to praise God for this morning, or maybe you have a prayer request that you'd like a prayer for? Let's bow our heads. You have risen, Lord Jesus. And that's why praying to you makes sense. If there had been no resurrection, then what's the point of praying? But you did rise. And you won the victory over sin. You won the victory over death. And that means so much to all of us and how we praise that, praise you for that. And we thank you that we can, because of that, we can come to you in prayer. Because you are the victor. And Lord, we look at all the things that we're praying for right now. And it's all our struggles that we are having as a result, ultimately, of sin. But you paid for our sin. You paid for the sin of the world. You rose from the dead to grant victory. So there is victory over sin. There's victory over the effects of sin. Because of the resurrection. And so we can come to you in prayer, just bringing all these things before you, knowing that, Lord, that you, you can deal with it. And you can give us a victory that we need over these things. And you can help us through them. And you can give us the wisdom we need to work, work through them. And even though we live in a sin-stained world and we have to live in that and have to work through that and we have to, have to uh, walk in it, we can do so in victory because you rose from the dead. So, Lord, we praise you for the resurrection. We praise you for the opportunity, as Jones said, to be in church together, to celebrate the resurrection together with family and with friends, that we can be together with family today to celebrate. We praise you for that. We have the best reason to celebrate ever. And Lord, I mean, we celebrate it well. Lord, we think of those who are not feeling well, as the number of shared. We think of Elton's family, Lord, his mother-in-law, Dixie, and ICU with COVID and Lord, just uh, we continue to pray that you would touch her with your healing. Give her victory over this. Bring her back to health and strength. Also, Andrea, that you would help her to get better and just to touch her body with your healing and raise her back to health and strength. Thank you, Lord, that Haley is doing better and seeming over it. And Thank you, Lord, so much that the younger kids seem to be able to be much more resilient to this than, than uh, the older ones. We thank you for that. And just pray, Lord, for that whole family that you would bring them back to health and strength. Thank you, Lord, for Breton, that he was able to get his learner's license this, this last week. He prayed you for that. Thank you, Lord, he could, he could uh, do well on that test and get that. Just continue to pray that you'd be with him as he spends the next year uh, practicing driving and learning driving and then uh, culminating with, of course, the driven driver's test. And so, Lord, just continue to be with him. And be with all of Penny's, Penny's kids, Lord, as they... Uh, We'll see their dad this week. I just pray, Lord, that would be a good time for them and a good time of connecting with their dad and, and just be a positive thing. And, and give them safety as they travel both there and back. Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity, Irene and, and Lauren and the family were able to have visiting with uh, Jeff and Jamila, even though they were not able to come out here like they had hoped. Uh, that's disappointing. But, Lord, thank you for the visit they could have. And I, I just continue to pray your hand a blessing on Jeff and Jamila. Go before them, we pray. And... Uh, 
continue to be with Lauren and Irene and their family and the things that they're struggling with and things that they're rejoicing with. I just pray that you continue to give them your strength for the road ahead. I want to pray in a special way for Heather and her aunt. Uh, Lord, you know our, Heather's heart is heavy about uh, her aunt fighting cancer and in the hospital and not being able to see her, not being able to go and talk to her and hug her. And, but Lord, I just pray that you would be with her aunt at this time. Give her your strength. Give her your encouragement that only you can give. And Lord, how I pray that, uh, that she would just know that you're with her through this time. And, and Lord, for the family, as they, as they're all walking this road of, of grief. And uh, I don't know if grief is the right word, but, um, but uh, it's, it's a struggle for them. And Lord, give them your strength to walk this road with them. Go before them, we pray. Lord, you want to pray for Corey's mom? Uh, just uh, thank you that she's doing okay in ICU, but uh, you know, Lord, you know her desire to get out so she can visit her husband and her husband can come see her. But Lord, you know the risks there too. So Lord, how I pray that you would give doctors and family wisdom to balance that. And uh, I just pray to be with Corey's dad as he longs to see her, I'm sure, as well, and give him wisdom to, uh, to know how to handle this as well. And Lord, that they would both just to reach out to you and reach out for the comfort that only you can give and receive it from you. Just go before them. And Corey and his sister and the rest of the family, Lord, just be close to all of them through this time. Lord, you want to pray for Brad. Lord, I just thank you he's able to be home for Easter. And Lord, we know we wanted to be here, but because of the fall he took, Lord, uh, I wasn't able to pray be close to him today. And I pray that he would just be able to know the joy of the resurrection just in his own heart. So, Lord, just be close to him as well. And June and Jim and the whole family, give them a good day today, we pray. But thanks for this time we can be together. Thanks for the celebration we can enjoy. And we pray all this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Larry. Christ gave up his life for us and gave us eternal life and by doing what he did we have so much to be thankful for and also uh, this morning we can return a little bit of our our uh, <coughs> monetary values into reaching others for Christ as well so let's just pray for the offering this morning or if it's still over there, and we do that as we leave, but we thank the Lord for the blessings He's given us spiritually and financially and in this country very, 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 very well. So let's just bow our heads and thank Him for that. Dear Lord, we thank you this morning for what you did and reminded us in a real way this weekend again. And thank you also for the way you continue to do uh, <clears throat> bless us abundantly pray that as we give a portion of that back to you that it will be blessed and will further your word both just in here locally and also in in other areas and uh, we praise and thank you for that this morning in your name we pray amen um looking at the bulletin there isn't anything really highlighted but uh we're having our monthly prayer meeting this on the 21st again and uh, I know that it's a time to 
to really bring things to the Lord. We do that every Sunday morning in our praise and prayer time. And so this is a, another a good time to share some things as well. Is there anything that anybody wants to add to the announcements? Okay. Um, I guess we can read the rest of them and be there and be active if, if it involves us. Kids, time to see if you got anything right on your trivia quiz. So, give your quiz to a trusted adult parent or a trusted adult in the church to mark for you. <laughs> so, Tyler, if you trust your father-in-law to mark yours, you can you could do that. I think he's trustworthy. Okay, here are the answers. Answer number one, the greater the victory, the greater the celebration. So the two words, victory and celebration. Answer number two, Simon and Cephas. Answer number three, Jesus healed him. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. Uh, Jesus told Peter to stop swinging a sword and he healed the guy's ear. So Jesus healed him. Answer for question number four, three times. Answer for question number five, the two words are crucifixion and resurrection. Crucifixion and resurrection. Question number six, uh, the answer is that they will rise too. They will rise too. And we too will be resurrected. So either of those two, I'm not sure which one they would have clicked on of what I said. I said a couple things there. So either of those will be They will rise too or we will rise too or something to that effect. Either of those will do. And number seven, the angels. Number eight, grave clothes. They saw the grave clothes in the tomb. There's a head cloth laying by itself, and then all the strips of cloth that have been wrapped around Jesus' body. So grave clothes, or if they wanted to describe the grave clothes in greater detail, that's, that's right as well. So, so again, uh, age 10 and under, if you got four of them right, you get a prize. Age over 10, if you got 100%, you get a prize. And so if you did get the 100%, come to me after the service and I'll give you your prize. So let's close in prayer. Lord, as we go from here, after celebrating your resurrection, may we go and whatever we're doing with the if it's a get-together with family or whatever we're doing, may we go with the celebration in our hearts. The celebration that he's alive and I'm forgiven. And heaven gates are open wide. What a reason to celebrate. Lord, may we all go with that celebration in our hearts. So dismiss us now with your blessing. We pray in your name. Amen. <laughs>